This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. And welcome to our Sabbath service to our staff and families here at World Ministries International in our chapel. Dr. Hansen at the present time is still in Kenya. He'll be returning next week for those that are waiting for his return. I just want to say my wife and I have been extremely blessed that we have been under the leadership, under the apostolic and prophetic leadership of Dr. Hansen. We've been with him for about 25 years. My wife and I met them at Cedar Park Assembly Church. My wife is quite a hostess and uh, a great prayer warrior. And when he and his family came back from the missionary field where he had established churches in Kenya, Uganda, and other countries in Africa, we invited him over for dinner, and that started a relationship that's led to this. We live right next door, so I can walk to work. I volunteer over here at World Ministries National. Just in case you don't remember who I am, I'm Dr. E.J. Buckhart. And uh, like I said, I've been with him for 25 years. The first two years or three years I met him, I was still flying as a captain for Northwest Airlines. Had the blessings, and I say the blessings, of being able to fly a 747-400 around the world. I won't go into that long story, but I think the Lord led me to that because I also was a graduate of many years ago of Luther Theological Seminary. And I feel that the Lord says, I don't want you there. I need to get you out of that because if I was there, I think I'd be of the 70% of the churches of the revelation that we've been talking about. So I'm blessed. So I'm going to continue and finish the message on Pergma. And I'm going to read from verse 14 through 16. It says, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to things sacrificed to idols, and to commit fortification. So thou hast them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. Repent or else. In the city of Pergama, there was sexual morality was very loose, the Nicolaitans. The church in Pergamum was very intent towards the society's morals and values and beliefs instead of God's morals and beliefs. Does this sound like the church today? In America, we have homosexuality being accepted. We have the LGBT being accepted. Abortion, somewhat. We even have drag queens in the church. I mean, how much more prophetic can the church get? So what did the church have to say? What did Jesus have to say to the church in Pergamos? 
He said he will come and fight against those false teachers as well as those who contone such behavior. I remember Pastor Ken Hutchinson. Some of you may know him. That He actually was a linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks. And before that, I think he played with the Dallas Cowboys. But then he became pastors of Antioch Bible Church. And we've interviewed him here many times. When he was still alive, he is now with the Lord. But he made a comment one time in his congregation. He had a couple, highly respected in the congregation, that was living outside of marriage, outside of the covenant of God. And he said to them, either you repent or you're no longer welcome in church. Now, for a pastor to do that nowadays, you'd come under a lot of persecution. But he did. He said, he said, if you don't repent of your fortification, you are not welcome in this church. Then he said something else. It's all those of you, there are your friends. When you see them, I only want you to ask them one thing. Have you repented? And no more. Until they repent, I don't want you to have any contact with them. Wow. But that's what Jesus is telling us. We're not supposed to condone what they do. And Jesus says, repent or else. I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, to me, these verses of Scripture about the most serious ones I know, very serious Scriptures. Let me read them to you. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And have we not cast out devils in thy name? And in thy name have we not done wonderful works? And then I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I want you to take that very seriously, folks. For you that are strong, born-again Christians, it's not for you because you are following the Lord. But for those that are walking the fence, take this very seriously. Would you love the day that you go to heaven and the Lord says, I don't know you. Lord, look what I did. I was a pastor of this church and I led so many people to the Lord as evangelists. And the Lord says, I don't know you. I challenge you to take this very seriously. I know many Christians who say they're living for the Lord, but their lifestyles, and they are more worldly than spiritually. Question, what about your lifestyle? I want to read from David Workland's devotional on January 7th. That just, he has one for every day of the, of the year. It begins with repentance. I believe that many churches now are no longer speaking about repentance. They really don't talk about sin. As a matter of fact, they even accept it. And that's why I highly respected Ken Hutchison when he said, hey, you're not welcome in this church. And then when he said to his friends, all I want you to ask them, have they repented? Once they repented, they're welcome back with loving arms. Sounds cruel. Some people may call it tough love, but I call it tough Christianity. I call it tough Christianity. Because what are we to be concerned about? We're supposed to be concerned about the soul. What's gonna to happen to them when they die? They're gonna to go to heaven or hell. Some people say, hey, well, we don't believe in heaven and hell. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to bet that there is. 
because if I'm right, I come out good. If there isn't such a thing, it doesn't make much difference. But I'm going to bet that there is a heaven and hell, so I don't have to pay the penalty. The church as we know it today began with repentance. Now, this is written by David Wilkerson, pastor of Times Square Church. He died in 2011, so it goes back a few years. You're going to see that time doesn't mean anything. Times haven't changed. When I read from Romans a little bit later, if I get to it, about all the sins that took place in the Roman churches, homosexuality and all that sort of stuff. That's 2,000 years ago. Then we go back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Then we go back to the United States today. Nothing's new under the sun. Let me continue. And when Peter preached the cross at Pentecost, thousands came to Christ. This new church was made up of one body, consisting of all races, filled with love for one another. Its corporate life was marked by evangelism, a spirit of sacrifice, even martyrdom. This wonderful beginning reflects God's word to Jeremiah. Quote, Yet I had planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. The Lord's next words, however, describe what often happens to such works. How have you turned before me to this degenerate plant of an alien vine? God was saying, I planted you right. You are mine, bearing my name and my nature. Now you have turned degenerate. What causes this degeneration in the church? It has always been, and it will always continue to be. Idolatry. God is speaking of idolatry when he says to Jeremiah, but my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. The number one idol among God's people is not adultery, not pornification, not alcohol. It is a much more powerful lust. What is this idol? It is a driving ambition for success in this world. It even has a doctrine to justify it. The idolatry of being successful describes how many in God's house today these people are upright, morally clean, full of good works, but they have set up an idol of ambition in their hearts, and they cannot be shaken from it. God loves to bless this people. He wants his people to succeed in all they undertake honestly, but there is now a raging spirit in the land that is being overtaken the multitudes. It's a spirit of love for recognition and acquiring of things. There was a man of the world that said, hey, he who dies with the most toys wins. You've all heard that one. Tragically, Christians too are caught up in this pursuit. How far we have strayed from the gospel of dying to self, ego, and worldly ambition. Repent or else. Let's take a look at the church of Tyatara, which is the next one. And the angel of the church of Tyatara writes, these things saith the Son of God who hath his eyes unlike to a flame of fire, and his feet like to fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few words against thee, because thou sufferest the woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed to idol. I gave her a place to repent for her fornications. She repented not. 
When you talk to here about, we know what fornication is, but you talk about sacrificing things to the idols. When I was in Japan on a layover, you always saw in front of the Buddhist, and also with temples, but also in front of many, many businesses, you'll have the idol, the Buddhist idol sitting out there, and then in the morning the priest will come and put food out in front of the idol. The idols don't eat it. It just stays there. Who eats it? The priest. Not to eat food offered to sac uh, eat food offered to idols, because idols are dead, and don't eat that food. And it, it kind of struck me because it says in here, why why is that important? Well, John is saying this in the book of Revelation of Jesus speaking to him. So those are things. Two things he says basically important: fortification in an American church and in American society. Fortification is is probably one of the things that just everybody goes. You talk to young people now. Well, we just get, we, we don't need to get married. You know, we love each other. We'll just live together and have children. Now, myself, personally, I don't believe in the marriage license of the state because then they want to control you. They think they're the third person. But there is a commitment before God. It's called a covenant. And it's signed by two or three witnesses. And when you have a problem in your marriage, you have to go to those witnesses who know you personally. And you have to try to, Convince them what's going on and let them work with you. Not a psychiatrist. In Jonathan Hansen's newsletter of 2003, I'm going to be reading part of this. I think it's excellent. By the way, I recommend that on the Churches of Revelation, he has seven letters. And take the time. You can find them on the website, each and every one of them. They're very thorough and very good. The church in Thyatira had a problem child named Jezebel, which used her influence to cause Christians to sin. Many churches throughout history today, even including today, have Jezebels in their midst. Many times they hold influence and position within the church. Common problems in church today are Jezebels or Ahabs who are liberal social Christians, meaning that they hear to and promote the ethics of Jesus but not the fundamental doctrines of Jesus, which would include the dying to self-will and striving to be a separate and holy people with different values from the society. He makes a comment here. He says, America is a humanist nation. We know that America originally was created as a Christian nation. Matter of fact, 11 out of 13 colonies, you had to swear that you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Otherwise, you could not hold office. Very interesting. That's only, what, a couple hundred years ago? Look how far we've gone. A humanist will is central to their decision-making. Whereas Christ taught believers to die to their will and obey the will of God, the Father. The problem here in Thyatira with Jezebel, that she was being allowed to promote her believers that the Christian businessmen should be allowed to join the trade guild to protect and develop their business interests. Jesus expected the saints, as well as Christians today, to be willing to jeopardize their business career and even commit commercial suicide and fake bankruptcy before compromising their relationship with God through moral conduct. My son had ordered the DVD, Let My People Go, which is an excellent, excellent, it's two hours and 15 minutes. I highly recommend it. It's on, you have to order it. It's not on YouTube. They do have the, lead, the uh, 
what do you call it, the little tribute you do? Trailers. It's written by David Clements. David Clement was a professor, lost his job, that he sacrificed. How many businessmen are willing to sacrifice their potential career if they need to take a stand for the Lord? Do we trust the Lord? We have faith in the Lord. Do we trust Him to see us through our times? So, so you do lose your job. And we've lost many people in this society in this last day with the COVID have been fired because they would not take the stupid shot, which has no proof to it that it does anything other than destroy your life. But those that did it lost their jobs. I've never heard of one of those that God hasn't given them something else to protect them and see to it that they meet all their needs. I haven't seen one article that because they took the stand, they lost everything and not getting it back. So we can make a stand for the Lord. And this is a challenge I have to the church today. You know, we do a lot of good things. We know who Jesus is. We know the truth. But are we living the lifestyle that he wants us to live and trusting that if we do have to come to a challenge, we will stand strong? What does that mean? It means dying to yourself. Because if you don't die to yourself, you will probably be overcome by the satanic forces. And David Wilkins, he got another verse on January 11th. Are we part of that? I should say January 12th. I love this devotional booklet. Getting to know the voice of God. God wants us to know that no matter how difficult things may get for us, He will sustain all those who trust in Him. How does He do this? It's by the power of His still small voice speaking to our inner man. This is confirmed by the prophet Isaiah. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whether you turn to the left. Isaiah delivered this word to Israel in the worst of times, the worst of times. The nation was under judgment in absolute ruin. With everything breaking down, Isaiah told Israel's leaders, turn to the Lord now. He wants to give you a word of direction to go this way, to go that way, or it is. And I think Jesus is telling the church today, turn to the Lord now. He wants to give you direction. But they would not listen. They decided to turn to Egypt, back to the government, to find help in being delivered. They thought they could lie in the Egyptians' chariots, horses, and supplies to see them through. God did not send judgment on Israel at that point. No matter how bad it was, God still hadn't sent any judgment. He's a God of love, mercy, and grace. Rather, he decided to wait patiently until the bottom fell out of every plan. Do we have to go that far before we turn to the Lord? I will wait. I want to show them my mercy in spite of their wickedness. Sure enough, things got worse for the nation. Finally, when all schemes fell through, God told his people, now let me take over. I know the way out. I will direct you and deliver you. I will lead you by my voice, speaking to you, telling you what to do, down to the last detail. Trust in the Lord. When the government came out and said, got to wear a mask, because if not, you're going to get, you're going to die. Basically what they said, if you don't wear this mask, let me die. I'm the government. I can tell you what to do. No, that's not God. God says, I gave you a healthy breath to breathe, not to breathe in your junk, let it go out. And he says, I will protect you. When the churches closed down because of COVID, no, they should have stayed open. 
We're supposed to have a God of healing, a God of miracles. What are we afraid of? I haven't died to myself. That's what I'm afraid of. Because I don't want to die. Because I don't know what's going to happen after this physical death. I don't have that confidence in me that I'm going to heaven and it's going to be a beautiful place. So I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned about this life. I want the best for it. I want to have all the blessings of this life. What about the future? Consider it. You will die one day. There's not one person in this. There's only two people that haven't died in the world. Enoch and Elijah. They're the only two. Everybody else, billions, have died. So you don't have to face that consequence. We need to get serious, folks. This is not a joke. God is in control, but how far will we let us go before we turn and repent? How far will we let our church today go to where we're having drag queens in front of our children? How far are we going to go? Are you going to stand up and do anything about it? I think it's time we do. What can we do as born-again believers to return America to receive the blessings and not the cursings of God? Verse 24. But I say unto you, as many that have not this doctrine, which have not known the depths of the Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which you have already hold fast I come, and he that overcometh and keepeth the works to the end, to him I will give power over the nations. God is saying, I will give you power over the nations. Second Chronicles, this is one that everybody knows very, very well, if you've been in the church very long. Second Chronicles 7, and 14 is one they usually start with, but I want to start in a verse earlier, in verse uh, 13. If, if I shut up the heaven, this is God speaking, if I shut up the heavens and there is no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if I make it so bad you won't have much of food to eat, when it gets that bad, he says, if my people, that's the Christians, will be, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, humble themselves first, then pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their lands. Can America be healed? Yes. Is it going, are we going to eventually have a point where God's going to say enough's enough? Because Revelation says, I mean the Bible says that. There's a time Jesus got to come back because enough's enough. But in the meantime, we should take dominion and get off our easy street and get involved in changing the nations. And if you listen to that program, Let My People Go by David Clements, it really will incite you. We're going to read from Whistleblower Magazine. This, uh, he's talking about what is more chilling than our present situation in America. I believe even more chilling is because while a deluded president can be replaced at the next election, one cannot replace a deluded population, a deluded population easily. Today, roughly half the born-again Christians aren't voting. They're staying at home and, and wistfully imagine instead if a million people of faith across America comes to the polls and vote our values. Political fact did the analysis include that 42% evangelical Christians 
that's evangelical Christians, stayed at home on election day. Since more than 70% of Christians self-identify as Christians, that's more than 25%, one in four of evangelistic born-agains means they're taking about 10 million Americans. These people who claim to share the Christian values of the nation founders, valued treasured by the vast majority of brave souls who have fought, bled, died, and preserved American freedoms, yet they cannot find it out to fill out a ballot and vote on election day. And he gives reasons. Unfortunately, I won't be able to give the reasons, but it's on Whistleblower Magazine. And this is part three, and there will be a part four uh, the next time I will be at this pulpit. Lord, we just want to come before you, Lord. Forgive us as a nation. Forgive us as a church. And I pray that the new president, when elected, because the Christians will get out and vote, he will come up and have a day or days of national repentance. Because I believe truly in my heart that is the only way this America can be saved. It's by the hand of God working on our behalf. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.